Welcome to the South Coast Repertory Podcast. I'm Tanya Thompson. Joining me on this edition is Lisa Peterson, who is directing Aubergine by Julia Cho. The play runs on our Segerstrom stage in October and November. Lisa has directed three other productions at South Coast Repertory, Culture Clash, Still in America, Sandra Singlow's The Mad Woman in the Volvo, and Collected Stories by Donald Margulies. Lisa, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thanks. It's my pleasure. You and playwright Julia Cho, I think, have known each other for a while, since the 90s. Is that right? That's right. We met in Los Angeles. I was working at the Taper, and uh, Julia was a already dynamic playwright in, in Los Angeles, and we just became friendly. We didn't really work together until recently, but yeah, we've been buddies for a while now. I was really intrigued on the first day of rehearsal for this show. You called her one of our best American playwrights. Can you tell me a little bit about how you see her work and her place in the American theater? Sure. Um, I mean, of course, Julia has been writing uh, these kind of wonderful, sort of fantastical plays that move out from her experience of life. So they generally have some autobiographical element in them. And then because she is a real creator and a poet, she usually moves beyond pure biodrama to something that's quite magical. Um, She certainly does write beautifully about the experience of being second generation uh, immigrant family in the United States, but not solely about that, obviously. And she's just really smart. And I feel like she's one of those playwrights who she has a real body of work now. I mean, I think I haven't counted, but I think if you count up the list of her produced plays, you're probably close to a dozen. And she still, you know, has a wonderful career ahead of her. But I, yeah, I I, I think she is one of our great poets in the theater. And I think she's like a theater person's playwright. You know, I think most people know this about her. I don't think she's totally gotten her due yet, critically, but I believe that is still to come. In Aubergine, I want to know what attracted you as a director to this play. Well, as it happens, I had seen the premiere production of this in Berkeley. Uh, I was about to spend three years working there, and Tony Tacconi, who directed that production, is a friend of mine. And I happened to go up not long after my own father had passed away, with my mother, in fact. And we didn't really know what we were in for, but watching it was pretty cathartic for us. And it is a gorgeous, uh, you know, sort of affirmation of life in the face of uh, losing a parent. And it had always stuck in my mind since then. And I've never directed on the Sagerstrom stage, and I was really excited to come. Those other three plays were all in the Argyros. And so when David Ivers called and asked if I might be interested, anything that Julia Cho does makes me go, yes. And then I said, well, let me look at it again, because I saw it. Let me read it. And then I was really struck by just structurally the, the beautiful things that she's working out in this play, because it's also a celebration of food and food and memory, food and family. And so it, uh, you know, it's, it's the kind of play I like, meaning it is challenging to find the right tone for it, but I, I really wanted to take it on. 
And your circumstance when you saw it, as you mentioned, was shortly after your father's passing. And I believe for Julia, she really began working more on what was originally a story about food and then transformed it following the death of her father. Is that right? That's that's right. Yeah. This started as a kind of a <clears throat> assignment for a project, again, up at, at Berkeley Rep about food. And I think she wrote a short piece that then became this play. And she's definitely writing from experience. You know, she did go through the kind of, you know, the hospice experience, the guiding of her father, you know, over that boundary line. So she knows what she's writing about. There's kind of a mix in the play, truth, sorrow, joy, some humor. How how does that help audiences who will experience the play? Well, yeah, you have to you have to find the joy. I've been pointing out to the cast that the word joy or enjoy is might be one of the most populated words in the play. I mean that that word is used often in the play and because I think Julia's interest is in ultimately talking about how experiencing this kind of death where you have a bit of preparation. It's actually a hospice situation where the father is in in the living room and the gift that that actually can be, as, a, as, a, as well as the pain of that, that that is also a, a gift. And that I've, I feel now in, from my own experience that especially American culture needs to find a better way to deal with not only death and dying, but also growing older. We're really bad at this. We don't train each other. We don't know how to do it. You know, we, I don't think that there, I mean, maybe this is changing now, but I feel like just trying to figure out how to live fully and celebrate experience and not be afraid of this thing that everybody goes through. It's not just one culture. It's not just one kind of person, absolutely everybody is going to lose their parents, and then it's going to make them think about their own mortality. And so it's essential, though, that, th- that in the play, that we have fun as we consider these, these ideas. We, we, we want, the play does have meditative qualities, and it certainly is involving from an emotional point of view. This, we care about this family. Uh, I'm sure we think about ourselves, but also it's really important that we celebrate and have fun and think, hmm, what am I going to have for dinner? You know, uh, it's meant to be a pro-life celebratory play. It also is a play in two languages. Yeah. Can you talk about what we'll uh, hear, see, and experience through that? Sure. This is really interesting about this play. I think more than any play of Julia's, it is almost fully bilingual, really, because in this family, you've got a the primary character, Ray, who is a chef without a purpose at the beginning of the play. But he sort of finds himself through the course of this experience with his dad. He's Korean-American, but he really has not invested in being Korean-American. His father... It speaks Korean and English, but mostly Korean. So there's a language barrier between father and son. And then there's a an uncle who comes from Korea, and he speaks only Korean. So there's these really wonderful scenes, many of whom, which are quite funny, in fact, where 
two different generations in the same family can can barely communicate because they just don't speak the same language. And so there's a character who who is Ray, uh, a friend of Ray's who comes in and sort of acts as a translator. We all know that translating can be tricky sometimes. Yes, it but can. But yeah, there's a fair amount of Korean. We do, we're going to use supertitles, both Korean and English supertitles, so that audiences that don't speak Korean at all will be able to understand the Korean. Uh, we're hoping we have some audiences that do speak Korean, and they can also see that some Korean language up there translating some of the English. As it happens, I have a Korean sister-in-law, so I know a little bit, but certainly not as much as I should about Korean language and Korean culture. But I will say that, you know, the characters of Korean language are quite beautiful to look at. So they are going to be a part of our design. Tell me about the cast that you're working with. It's a It's a wonderful collection of people. I think some of these Folks have done plays here at South Coast Rep. In in the case of Saab Shimono, I think he's done quite a few over the years. And Julie Lee, I think, has done a play here at least once before. And then we've brought a couple of people from New York. Because of the double language requirements, uh, we needed to find someone who could act in Korean. And we found a, a wonderful actor, uh, uh, Bruce, out of New York. And then... Uh, yeah, finding, finding a Korean-American man in his sort of late 30s, early 40s, who can be the center of this play. We did do a lot of auditioning here and in New York and, and found um, uh, Jin Lin, who's come from New York. And then a couple of other wonderful actors from Los Angeles fill out the cast. There's a, there's a really wonderful character in this play of a hospice nurse who is actually from Africa, and Erogobutu is playing that part, and uh, Joy de Michelle is playing uh, another character that sort of bookends the play. And then uh, uh, one of the actors from American Mariachi actually is doubling in a little bit with us. So that's it's a it's a it's a wonderful group, and they're you know they've really bonded fast. Yeah, it's a very generous, wonderful, wonderful group of people. For this type of play, why do you feel that theater may be the absolute best way for this story to be told? Because you're in the room with it. I mean, I, I am always a, uh, I, I've been a theater geek since I was a little kid. So I love seeing theater as much as I like making it. I love to be in the room with the live actor. Because you breathe together, you breathe with your fellow audience members. Uh, I think anyone who's caught the bug about going to see live plays understands that it is a deeper experience to be present, fully present in the room with live actors and all the design elements that go along to to tell the story. Um, This play is a lot about mindfulness and being very much in the moment. Enjoy what's in front of you. Taste your food. (laughs) So... um, and also, I think that the the structure of this play is unique in that it is there is it is real. You're really in the kitchen. You're really in the dining room of this house. But also in the theater, you can suddenly be just talking to the audience. There's a fair amount of direct address, and that's uh, you can do that in film and television, but it doesn't feel the same way sort of wonderful when a character turns out and starts to actually engage the audience. There's a lot of that in this play, 
which makes it very theatrical. You mentioned the audience, and of course I want to ask about uh, your hope after audiences see Aubergine. What do you want the conversation to be between them as they head out and then head home? There's no question. This is going to bring up a lot of uh, personal experience. I can tell just because of the way the conversation went around the table immediately our first couple days of working. Everybody has some version of a story of interaction with generations in their family and dealing with, with loss of one kind or another, and most people want to talk about it. So I actually think it would be I'm hoping that audiences, strangers turn to each other and sort of share stories about their own families. The more we listen to each other talk about experiences like this, I think the more we can kind of enter our own version of this without fear. I have to ask, what is your favorite food? I love just simple like cracked crab and then like San Francisco sourdough bread and then butter. That that was, I grew up in Santa Cruz, California, so that was kind of our birthday treat. You know, we'd get, yeah, San Francisco sourdough bread, like one of those big round crusty roll, uh, you know, loaves. And and then I, it's not even, not, not, not Alaskan king crab, but just like California coastal crab, just steamed and then just eaten with butter. So, and I will add to that an artichoke. I love artichokes. I grew up kind of near artichoke country. Uh-huh. And I will even, no matter why, when artichokes are in season, I'll, I'll get one if I'm on the road like I am now by myself and just cook myself an artichoke <laughs> and dip it in mayonnaise. I love that. You're making me hungry, seriously, today. <laughs> I love that today you are wearing purple in honor of aubergine. Was that a conscious choice? It really wasn't. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, I am wearing purple. Yeah. This this whole production is a celebration of the color aubergine. Yeah, I think, um, and, uh, uh, you know, eggplant does play a part in this in the story of this play. I suppose people look at the title and wonder what what it's about because aubergine is, I guess, a French word, really. And if you're a cook, you know you're talking about eggplant. If you know about if design and color, you think of a color, probably. And I don't really know why Julia chose to call this play aubergine, except that it's a beautiful word for a vegetable that we like to eat. And it's a gorgeous color. And, you know, it's a kind of, it's like the title of a poem, I'd say. And I know Julia started out as a poet, so I think she still thinks that way sometimes. Well, it's something we are looking forward to. And perhaps we will have folks dressed in purple as they come to (laughs) experience the play. We shall see. (laughs) Yes, do it. Do it. Yeah. Well, on that note, we will wrap up this edition of the SCR podcast. My thanks to Lisa Peterson. She is directing Aubergine by Julia Cho on our Segerstrom stage, which runs October 19 through November 16, 2019. Lisa, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And thanks to our recording engineer today, Mike Ritchie. For more information on this and other productions at Orange County's Tony Award-winning theater, visit us online at scr.org.